What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. You're listening to episode 164. I'm here tonight with Ryan and Tyler, but also with the digital reporter and producer for the Detroit Red Wings, Daniela Bruce. Daniela's been on a few times, but how are you doing tonight out in, uh, I'm assuming, frigid Edmonton? It's not as frigid as you would expect. We had we obviously were in Calgary, flew to Edmonton today, and both have had very mild weather, which everyone's telling us we're very lucky for. So yeah, it's it's not bad here. It's not bad here at all. Whenever you're not trapped under three feet of snow in Edmonton, you're having a good day. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but how are you guys doing, Ryan and Tyler? Good. It's actually a nice day today. The sun was out. We had the I don't have the screen on my front door yet, but the, the front door was open. Let some sunshine in, so it was a nice change from the uh, the gloominess that we've been dealing with. So I'll take it. Yeah, same. Not too bad. It was like uh, fifty nine here today, like sixty degrees. It was great. Still fifty five out here right now. Everyone knows on the East Coast when it's over fifty degrees, it's shorts and barbecue. Weather. Oh, I wore so. shorts to the gym today. Absolutely, <laughs> you sure did. Not quite. Come on, guys. It's not quite <laughs> that point yet. I know we all get excited when the weather gets anywhere over fifty and the sun's out. I get it, but shorts. It's the results of being trapped in a frigid hell for months. That's that's the problem. So anytime it goes, because Michigan, it goes from literally 30 degrees one day to 65 the next day. So when it hits that, like if I'm if I'm in a jacket, the next day I'm going out in shorts. No one's going to stop me. I mean, it does feel that much warmer too, right? When it you does. Just, you're coming yep. off a 30 degree day and it's 62 or whatever. Yep. Yeah, it definitely feels warmer. I had a dad moment where I just walked out my back door today and just stood there and looked around, watched the house. <laughs> coffee go in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't have the beer. It was inside, but I did. I had the hands in the pockets. Had, I had the Crocs on. I was just like, this is nice. Oh, man. Surveyed your kingdom. That's what you yeah, did? pretty much. You took stock. Well, we've got Daniela on. First, we're going to kind of cover the little Red Wings skid that's going on, and then we're going to get to a little bit of trade deadline talk because that is coming up on Monday. And we will have Max Boltman on next week to recap the trade Ooh. deadline and kind of how those moves affect the team in general. Um, but we kind of want to start off with the skid. The Red Wings are on a five-game losing streak, uh, most recently to the Calgary Flames, a 3-0 loss, which to me wasn't that tough. And then, Danielle, we were talking a little bit before. We actually held our own against Tampa. And the Minnesota game was not great, but, I mean, there were there were pluses. The only games I really didn't like were the Arizona game and the Florida game where I feel like Florida's kind of expected because they're so good. But to lose like that to Arizona, who has been okay lately or better lately, I just don't think there was any excuse. But what have you kind of seen that may be a reoccurring theme in these losses? Well, I would start with, I think you nailed it. The Arizona loss was embarrassing. And that was, they admitted that they know that. And I think when you look at the list of the teams that we've been playing as of late, you got to remember even before Tampa, Colorado was in town and then you had Carolina who we beat in overtime. And I thought that was a great game. And then you head to Florida on a tough trip, two very tough teams. And the Tampa game was really a two, one game with an empty netter. So the final score was three, one, but it was very close. The Red Wings had some great scoring chances in that game. And that's where I'm going to answer your question. I think in the, the brutal losses, like the one that we had to Arizona and even Edmonton, I don't think it was that bad of a game either. Ed, or I'm sorry, Calgary. And um, they are really good, right? They're yeah. going to be a playoff team. They're leading in the Pacific division right now. They are strong, they're big, and that's something that the Red Wings are lacking as well. But they're just not generating enough grade A scoring chances. They're not finding their way in front of the net. And I think that's the biggest thing that they need to work on. And, um, you know, you hear Coach Blash will say all the time that shots aren't always everything. And I mean, he's right. There are There is a way yeah. that they 
measure their grade A scoring chances and down to a science. And I think if I was measuring correctly, based on what they've told me, the Red Wings were being outchanced about seven to one um, at the beginning of the second period. It was about two minutes into the second period of that game against the Flames. So it doesn't sound as bad, right? And like I said, you just got to get pucks in the net. You got to get in front of the net, generate that traffic, cause some chaos. That's the only way you're going to score when you're playing a team that is bigger and faster and stronger than you. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah, I think especially against Calgary, you have to get more than five shots in the first two periods. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. the other thing. Yeah, you got to put the puck on net, and they, they know that. I mean, uh, like I said, it's a team. They were outmatched, and that is just the reality of the situation. And I think there are still so many things to be excited about with this team, even though they are on a five-game skid. I think Red Wings fans in general, we've gotten on a little high because of how good we've seen them yeah. play at points throughout this season. And we're excited about Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond. We're excited about the way Dylan Larkin has been playing and Tyler Bertuzzi for that matter. But I think sometimes you, you got to take a step back. These teams are going to be making playoff pushes. They're going to be making cup runs and it's getting to that time of the season where they are going to pull away from teams like the Red Wings. I just need to admit wrong where I was, Greg. Oh, okay. um, you, you, you were absolutely right when you said that the schedule was going to get tougher Boston was going to get healthy, start winning, and we were going to start losing. So Greg I just clipped that one spot of you were absolutely right. You were and at, and just a loop And they say someone that's good in the media can admit when they're wrong. So I'll, I'll just take that one. I'll hey, we're not media. <laughs> I think another point that you brought up that I had seen a, a couple other people bring up online too that is true is that Calgary is a huge team. They're big. Like, they're it's, very they're large. Really big. And even seeing them in person, it's just... It, they're way bigger. And that's why you see guys like Giovanni Smith and Luke Lukowski yeah. in the lineup in those games, because you need the size, you need the strength, you need the toughness. And they're, they're really good. There's no other way to put it. And I think that's something that Iserman is trying to solve through the draft. If you yeah. go back through the past couple of years, I mean, everyone he drafts is like, unless you're a, a small skilled forward, like a Carter Mazer and guys that they see promise in, you're an Elmer Soderbloom who's like six foot eight, 250 pounds. Or you're, all their defensemen were like above 6'2", above 210 pounds. And that's what you kind of need to compete is, is to get, a, if not the forwards, a, just a huge decor that's not going to let anyone buy. And you see that even with Mo Sider, who I'm not sure has actually been hit this entire season. <laughs> I mean, every time someone hits him, he bounces Good, it off. Don't, don't touch it. Don't touch him. Yeah, don't touch Mo. German steel <laughs> bends does not break. That's what we say. But, uh, and you had a good quote from him today and I just found it absolutely amazing where Mo, Mo says he does not think he's been playing as well as he should this past stretch. Yeah. I mean, I asked him, the question was that he was, t- he was obviously, you know, a little cliche yeah. talking about how it's about the team. They've got to play a little better. And I asked him what he thought about him, his game personally. And I didn't really expect that answer from him, but he said, probably not good enough. It's not good enough. I haven't been playing that well. He listed specific mistakes he made in the Minnesota game and specific mistakes he's been making. But I mean, from what we see and he's, he's awesome, right? He's the yeah. best player on the oh, team man. and number one defenseman and top 10 um, in the league is what we've said. Uh, yeah. I mean, yep. he, he's playing so well. He's logging a lot of ice time, but it's a good thing that he feels that way and that he's hard on himself because he's going to watch that film and see those mistakes. And I bet you, he's not going to make that same mistake again. Right. So he's, it, he's a rookie. He's going to make a few he's 20 years old. I, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. So he's got to learn from it. And I think what he said today proves that he is, and he's trying to, and he wants to get better every day. Have you, have you seen someone, I mean, 
Larkin is probably the easiest comparable, but of guys recently through the Wings roster, especially as young as Mo, have you seen someone give you an answer like that over the last several years? I mean, it's I feel like it's few and far between if if anyone has really said yeah, like with that really kind of head on themselves right? out. Not uh, that young, too, you know, mm-hmm. just just knowing. And it, the thing is, he'll say that, but he still plays very confidently. Like just because mm-hmm. he said that doesn't mean that he's losing confidence or he doesn't believe in his skill or anything like that. It just means he realizes it and he wants to be the best he can be for his team. I think it shows so much maturity and every answer that he gives the media. I'm like, wow, this kid, he's got it all right. He's great on the ice and he's super mature and he's, he's going to be great for us. Our future is bright with him leading the way. I I will say my highlight of Mo over the last week. So Chelsea and I, we went to the wings debacle against Mm. Arizona and we treated ourselves to an early honeymoon or not honeymoon (laughs) uh, anniversary. So we were say, wow, you, that was your honeymoon? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you. I would have gotten to <laughs> That was the actual honeymoon. Um, but we were in the we decided to go do the players' clubs. We'd never been down there and checked it out. And Stahl's kids, all three of his, his two daughters and his son were all there as the team was coming back in after warm-ups. And Mo had the best little, he had a big old wave, hand yeah. real high, mm-hmm. like a big smile. Gave up, gave fist bumps and high fives and chatted with them. It was it was the the uh, complete opposite side of what we're used to yeah. seeing on the ice. And I mean, we've seen some of the videos posted on the Red Wing social media about so how goofy. he is with Raymond and the sort. It's <laughs> to see the full picture of what he brings is awesome. And then like that quote just kind of brings it home of how competitive, but how much fun he is and what we're in store for. And it's awesome. Yeah, he's great, man. I'm, I'm sure you guys watch the Mojo show all the time yeah. and the biggest hit for us lately. And um, he's great. They have so much fun together. And I think it's super important, right? You want your young guys to bond that way and to come up together in that way. And yeah, it's going to be fun. They have a lot of fun together. Uh, sidebar on that. And, and speaking of players with kids, I know you saw Carly's video of Larkin. Who was that? Whose kid is that? Uh, that okay. So, um, Stacy, um, and JR, they are, uh, Stacy is our social media coordinator manager. One of the two, she's social media and JR is an equipment on the equipment staff and, um, they're married. That's their baby. So Dylan, um, took him out on the ice. He wanted to Uncle take him Dylan. out. There, but I don't think he was liking it too much. That was his name's Jack. I don't think he was too happy to be out there right away. And then <laughs> Blast took him back out there. He warmed up a little bit, but he he wanted mom to take him out there. That's for sure. <laughs> now back to Mo, could you see, there's going to be some vacancies, some uh, assistant or alternate captain vacancies coming up. Could you see Mo getting an A? I, th- I think I could, I, but I could also see a guy like Sam Gagne wearing the A for the rest of the season. And honestly, I could see them not really making a move on that. As but even going into next season. Oh, next season. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think, um, I think Steve being a young captain himself, obviously that's still in Larkin's role right now, but I don't think he'd ever be afraid to give that to Mo, especially if he keeps showing the leadership that he's been showing. I see a lot of Larkin's leadership qualities or or study for the game or passion for the game insider. And that's kind of one thing that's really exciting because we all know that Larkin lives and breathes hockey. Any of his answers are, what are you doing when you're not doing hockey stuff? It's thinking about hockey or watching hockey (laughs) or whatever. Right. I I feel like a lot of that is the same kind of attitude toward the game with cider. And, And like you said, he doesn't, he doesn't take a step back when he knows he's made a mistake. He's a, he's a learn on the go kind of guy. You keep yeah, doing I, what you've been doing and work on things you know you've done wrong. And that's, I feel like that's a very Dylan Larkin quality, which yeah. is, I mean, super exciting to see in any young kid. And I mean, every captain is a little bit different, but when you look at all of the captains that the Red Wings have had going back 
to Steve Eiserman. Uh, Nick Lidstrom learned from Steve Eiserman. Henrik Zetterberg learned from Nick Lidstrom. Dylan learned from Hank. And the, so, you know, the, the, the chain keeps going, right? So there's some great teachers that have run through the Red Wings organization. And I think um, it, it may not all be exactly the same, but the, the qualities, the big qualities that our captains have are all very similar. So it's great to see Dylan Larkin taking that over. And if Mo is the future, if that's what we're looking for, then Dylan's definitely teaching Mo those habits too. Is there an organization with with a better lineage of captains no, over no, the last even finish your 30 class. years? No chance. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would also agree. I I don't think so. I mean, you, some of the best names in the sport period were the Detroit Red Wings yeah. captains. And that's kind of where where you go with that is they they get the the top of the breed in there. What's even more fantastic is that from Stevie on forward, of all those names that were just mentioned, they're still part of the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in all, in all of these players right now, they're seeing the banners, they're seeing the names on the walls as they're walking through, and they're seeing them at practice, training camp, everything else in between. Like that's huge. And I know, especially because I know Edmondson, I know that's been talked about how Lidstrom and Cronwall are over there. Like you have those types of people influencing these young players and hopefully bringing them back to the prominence that we're hoping for. Yeah. What we're I- used to. What we're used to. Yeah. I was going to say that yeah. for a specific generation. Yeah. I was going to say not so much the younger generations, but yeah, us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the skid, I mean, the skid sucks, but looking forward, we've got like you're in Edmonton. We've got Edmonton uh, tomorrow. Then we've got Vancouver, Seattle, Philadelphia Islanders. So, I mean, the cracking are toward the bottom of the league. Philly has not been yes. fantastic. That was Arizona. Yeah, Arizona just beat Toronto too, though. They, they were on they they on a little hot streak there. Oh, don't discredit that. I know that the standings can be deceiving sometimes. Yeah. I know it, and Arizona started off terrible. They've gotten better. So that, I think there's that, of course, losing nine to two, the way that the Red Wings did yeah. is not the answer. And they played a bad game, but there are positives. And I think Red Wings fans need to try to focus on those because when you look back at the beginning of the season, did anyone predict that the Red Wings were going to be a playoff team this year? I, I don't know. I don't think that was in anybody's mind. Bottom five, I think, was 90 percent of the people. I said probably finishing the season around 10 with around 82 points, mm-hmm. which I mean, is still fully achievable. But I think most analysts, most people had the Red Wings still as a as a bottom five team. Little improvement from last season. But what I said is I don't want to see them ruin what they have built up in the first half in this last uh, quarter of a season, because in the first half, they outdid every expectation that was put on them. Right. Uh, they beat every, every guess that anyone had as to how good they would do. And, and even guys like Raymond are still going right now when NHL, NHL.com just released their updated Calder race and cider and Raymond are one and two. Zagreus is three. Um, the 57-year-old Michael Bunting is a distant <laughs> four. Grandpa Bunting. <laughs> Max, Max made a joke. He says... Uh, poor Max. Max is two weeks older than Michael Bunting, and he says this past week has made him feel really great about himself. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're, they're one and two right now. And if Mo doesn't... I feel like if Mo doesn't win the Calder, that's a crime. And Lucas is right up there with him with, and it's not even just that Lucas slowed down a little bit in, in point production, but the play is still there. The level of play is still there. And I think there was a quote from Blash that said, he's not sure that any other, he doesn't think that any other rookies, even though they're having the fantastic seasons they're having, have had as much of an impact on their team as yeah. Cider and Raymond have had on the Red Wings. And we've said the same thing, that it's great for Michael Bunting to have all these points, 
but you could put me or Ryan or Tyler on a line with Marner and Matthews and like we'd Tyler, probably have some points too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I'm sure people voting take that into account. Yep. And I think Mo has been, again, he's my, I, he's my number one. I think Mo should win the Calder and I think absolutely forward with that. Yeah. And, but Lucas has been outstanding too. But when you think about what Mo is doing as like, we just talked about a 20 year old defenseman in the NHL and he makes people look silly sometimes. Of course, he's still learning, but he can handle. He never, ever has looked out of place to me. Not one game has Mo Sider looked like he didn't belong in that game. And I think he's like a, uh, he's still a plus three or plus four or something like that. I didn't check today. So I'd have I think to think after Arizona, he might be a minus two. Really? Yeah. Let me, oh, let man. me double check. But I think he, I think he went down a little bit. Maybe I was thinking uh, minus two. I, I just talked to stall today and he's, um, one of our only positive players still remaining. So he's been good as well, but cider has been really good is my yeah. point. Um, yeah. um, very, very good. And he carries this team. He carries the blue line. He's our clear number one defenseman. And like we said, he's probably top 10 in the league right now. And if that's not impressive at the age of 20, then I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. Name me some other 20 year olds besides a, a Kale McCarr. Yeah. That, that are doing something to, to that effect. Um, but what we wanted to get to tonight, and I, I think is is the important part coming up here, the exciting time of the season, generally the day where I get zero work done because I'm doing Photoshop trade pictures, is the trade deadline coming up on Monday the 21st. Mm-hmm. And we do have some options. Now, I don't think anyone expects Iserman to be a buyer. There's no reason for us to be a buyer. I also don't think Iserman is going to just dump the entire roster uh, the trade deadline, but I do expect some deals to get done, even though a lot of the media is saying it's going to be pretty slow. Right. I, and I mean, you look, he surprised us all last year with a huge deal for Jacob Verona. Right. But I'm, I don't really think that's going to happen again this year. I think, like you said, some small moves here and there, Steve Eiserman likes draft picks. So, um, he can acquire more of those. He's got some players like Nick Letty, Mark Stahl, Sam Gagne, even that might be able to, help out a playoff team with depth. Um, I think if you're going to talk about a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi, who we were talking about before yeah. we started recording this year, probably doesn't work for him considering he can't play in Canada right now. So I think that might be one just, you know, the teams are going to consider that because if you play yeah. a Canadian team in the playoffs, but I really love, I love Tyler Bertuzzi. So I, I very much hope that he stays a red wing, but if you were to trade a guy like him, you'd need a first round pick. You'd need a top six forward. You'd need a prospect or maybe even add in another first round draft pick. Right. So yeah. it would have to be a haul to get rid of a guy like Tyler. And then obviously your untouchables are Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider. And I, that might be it, honestly, but I, would you add Ned? I think, yeah, I, Ned. Yeah. I mean, again, I think if like the, this crazy deal came forward for Ned where Steve Eiserman said he couldn't, like, he just couldn't say no to it. Yeah, He would do it, but he's not shopping Ned. I don't think that's a thing no. at all. I don't think that's somebody he's saying, yeah, they're available. You know, talk to me about it. I just think he'd listen. I think he'd listen yeah. no matter what. Well, know? I think that's the general rule of thumb is you, you have to, if someone came along and said, I'll give you 10 first round picks for Dylan Larkin, like, You've got to you got to take a, a listen to any single offer that comes into you and and take it seriously. But like you said, the untouchables or untradeables are are ones like Larkin and Raymond and Cider because the what you would ask for them, no one else would touch. Yeah, there's no chance you'd get it. I don't. Yeah, think. you see uh, the defensive market, uh, the trade market um, 
kind of limiting itself a little bit because Jacob Chikrin went down the other night uh, in Boston for Arizona. Um, would you see them trading maybe a Philip Hironic? Some someone like that be available for for a steep price? Again, maybe I I truly don't know. And again, the Red Wings are in a position where they need to listen, right? Yeah. They, they have to listen to everything. So if they really wanted Philip Hironic, again, we all I think every Red Wings fan trusts Steve Eiserman to make the right decision. He's proven that he knows how to better a hockey team. He knows how to draft. If he wants draft picks, he's going to get it. If he wants to trade away some draft picks for a player, we trust that too. I just um, I really don't know what to expect this year. And I, like I said, they're going to listen to anything and everything, but they're not just going to be shopping players left and right. There's no need to roster dump. The Red Wings have no. vastly yeah. improved this season. Yeah. I think your big pieces are in Nick Letty, where if you yeah. retain some salary, you, you can actually probably get a decent return for him because that's one thing that we, that we have that we can weaponize is his cap space. And we had also talked about maybe taking a roster dump from another team in order to to get some assets back, like we initially did for Mark Stahl, who was right. <laughs> it was probably the best roster dump we've ever got. He's been great. I'm telling you, I I think he's been, and the guys love him. Like the, you've oh, seen the videos that happen, like the t-shirts and everything with the 1,000th game. So I would be really bummed to see him go, but I would also totally understand where he's in the back end of his career and he wants to go somewhere and win a cup. So if there's a you know opportunity for everybody to be happy there, I wouldn't blame him. But I really like him here in Detroit. Yeah, we had talked about that as an option where you could let them say, say, Mark, we've got these teams looking. Do you want to go to one of these teams and go get a cup run? They could even bring them back in the offseason if they right. wanted to on another deal. I, I kind of had said the same thing about Nemesnikov. Is Nemesnikov loves being here, clearly loves being a Red Wing, loves playing for the team. But if a team came and said, hey, we want him because we need a depth forward for a cup run, we're trying to win in the playoffs, and they offer you a, a third-round pick or whatever for him, you could have that conversation with him and say, hey, we're going to send you here in the offseason. We'd love to resign you. We know you love playing here. We'd love to bring you back. And that's always an option. I'm not sure how often it's utilized. I don't think it's utilized a ton. But if there are players that truly love playing for the team and are going to do something to help the team, like what Mark Stahl, Mark Stahl getting traded would be to help the Red Wings. He knows that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he'd have any issue coming back after the fact simply because he likes being here and the dudes love in the locker room. So. Yeah. yeah. They seem to have a lot of fun with Mark Stahl. Lucas Raymond called him dad. Yeah. So there's that. He probably <laughs> doesn't love that very much, but you know, he, team yeah, dad, him and Gagne team dads. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you mentioned Nemesnikov too, and he's another guy that just like, we, we still have to put a team on the ice and yep. with, Fabry being injured, yeah. that definitely, um, you, you know, he's a Nemesnikov is a valuable guy to have simply because he could go anywhere in the lineup. He can play all three mm -hmm. positions. And I think he might be important through the end of the season, but I totally agree. It's, it's another situation where if somebody really wants him for that playoff run, then maybe he does come back because yeah, he, the smile on his face and the, the Jersey tugs when he Hugging scored the jersey, yeah. are epic. Yeah. They're it's epic. Awesome. <laughs> I, I think I'm remaining mildly naive. I think it's going to be a quiet deadline. Maybe a defenseman goes, but I think for where the team is at, you don't want to crush the spirits by getting rid of guys. Like to yeah, your point right. there about, you know, selling the farm basically, because they don't really have the guys, unless we're talking about people we think that may be untouchable almost or on that teetering tier. And you're still trying to, they're not in tank mode, if you want to call it that. Kind of like how we've seen the last couple of years where it's just been a complete debacle on the they ice. They can't and afford they, get, to be. No, they can't. And you've got, for the way that you get your young players playing this year, 
you want to keep any momentum you can get going forward. I mean, do I think something's going to happen? Yes. Do I think it's going to be a drastic moves? I don't think so. I'm, like, I don't think that's naive at all, actually. I think that's, that, that's pretty spot on. And I think we were just saying that might be league-wide this year. I don't know. It just seems like it's going to be quiet. Yeah, that's what that's the feeling that a lot of people are getting. I think a couple GMs were talked to where they said don't really expect a lot because the, their phones are barely ringing. Mm-hmm. So you might see some of the big name guys moved, but I think uh, on the smaller move front, you're not going to see much. And I think that's where where the idea comes into play, where maybe you look at a team who's got some bad contracts that's trying to make a big trade but needs to offload cap. Steve Eiserman can facilitate a trade there like he facilitated the Safard trade. You come mm-hmm. in third, you retain some salary, you get a pick out of it, and you move a player around. And I'm perfectly fine with that um, because, like you said, Steve Eiserman loves picks. The more darts he can get to throw at the board, the better. And he's shown that he's been able to hit on those picks too. So yeah. that's the kind of the exciting part. Now, the kind of the letdown is generally around trade deadline, you may see some people offloaded and, and a promising prospect maybe brought into play. I thought, I think maybe towards the beginning of the season, we're like, maybe around trade deadline, we might see a Bergeron come in and get some play time. Um, but that may be a further off possibility than, than what we had previously thought. Yeah. I, you guys have thought even more about it than I have, to be honest with you. I just don't, I just never, never really know. Because like I said, last season, I didn't think there was going to be a big deadline move. And then there Neither was, did we. Huge, Absolutely yeah, not. There was a huge deadline move. So it's Steve Eisman's probably all ears again. I don't know that for sure, but I'd imagine he's ready to listen to anybody that wants to make him an offer. And he's not going to do anything that's going to hurt this team. Everything he's done so far has made this team significantly better. So the trade deadline is going to be a wind in my book. I'm already putting it in, in the books as a win. Anything he does, unless he sells the farm. Yep. Is a win. <laughs> Just as we think Steve Eisenman's not going to make a movie, makes one at three o'clock in the morning. So yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> yeah I'm true. not going to be able to see. That was Robbie Fabry. Yeah, wasn't the Fabry moved. Have, yeah. I know they were flying back from somewhere. They were, they were flying back <laughs> and they made the trade while the team was in the air. So <laughs> great. Of course did they did. parachute Jacob De La Rose yeah, out? Did they, hey, all right. <laughs> pull the shoot. Fly over his destination and <laughs> drop him off. I think we're over St. Louis. Here you go. <laughs> um, but Danielle, do you have anything coming up? Anything to announce? Anything uh, you want to make people aware of? More broadcasting games? Well, I'm, tra- I'm I'm on the road right now. So there's a lot of fun stuff coming up on that end. I talked to Mark Stahl today. So um, that should be out by the time um, this goes out. And he's just a quick interview about, you know, his time in New York, playing a thousand games, his brothers being involved in that, all three of them. Um, and he was great to chat with. And like I said, he is having so much fun here in Detroit. And you can see it when he talks. He's a pretty quiet, reserved guy. But when he talks about Detroit and his teammates, it, it comes out of him a little bit. So that's really good. And that should be out by the time this goes out. Check that out. Did you guys talk about when he got the penalty on his brother? <laughs> he, yeah, he has laughed about that a couple <laughs> times. I didn't ask him about it in this interview, but he did talk about it in media availability. He said his brother was actually laughing. I think it was Jordan. It was Jordan, right? Yeah, it was yep. Jordan. Yep. Um, he was laughing at him um, because it was a bad call. He was like, even Jordan knew that wasn't a good call. And he was laughing at me as I went to the penalty box. Now, Jordan Stahl's a funny guy. They were doing the uh, thousandth game videos for him. And uh, his started with, hey, Mark, it's your brother, Jordan. Like, you wouldn't know who his brother was when he was watching the video. For everybody else, right? It's for the viewers, just in case they didn't know that was his brother. But you can pretty much tell the three of them are brothers. Yeah. (laughs) The the stalls are a funny group of guys. 
isn't it unbelievable that they're like the first trio of brothers that have ever played a thousand games in the NHL? It's just crazy that all of them have played professional hockey too. Like, yeah. uh, Yeah. What are their parents? Four of them, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. all four of them did. Can we, can we figure that out? Like, what do I need to feed my kids when I have kids (laughs) one day to make sure that they become NHL hockey players? Cause they, they just going to watch his kids. You can ask Daryl Sutter the same question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Sutters are another one where the, the yeah. entire family is a hockey family. Um, and they do now the Red Wings made a huge mistake by not making that thousandth game shirt available for purchase. I agree. Because everyone I, now wants one. I can relay that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants one and they would make a kill pick a charity, say, here's the thousandth game shirt. All the proceeds go to the charity. They'd sell a boatload of them. It's a yeah. fantastic shirt. Um, like a marketing man. Yeah. Well, it did. <laughs> Day job never leaves, Ryan. But Daniela, we want to thank you for hopping on for a bit with us to talk uh, trade deadline and the state of the Red Wings. Uh, and we love having you on. Uh, anytime you want to come on and talk, we'll, we'll be happy to have you. So where can people find you online? The best places. Uh, that Follow me on social media for sure. You're going to get everything that I ever do there. It's at Daniela Bruce underscore on both uh, Instagram and Twitter. So that's where I post pretty much everything. Awesome. Thanks, Daniela. Thank you. Thanks, Daniela. Thanks. Again, thanks to Daniela Bruce for coming on and chatting with us about the trade deadline. It's always good to get the kind of view of a person from that's closer to the team, I would say, uh, to, to kind of get what, what their feeling is going into it. And I think it's kind of the same feeling that we've all had, that it might be a little quieter than it's been and that don't really expect a ton from Eiserman. But like, again, last time we didn't expect a ton from Eiserman. He traded Mantha for Verona. So, yeah, we, it's... It, it always seems like all is going to be calm and then he goes and pulls some type of crazy shit. But I mean, if, if he does, I'll, I'll just go with her mindset because it's a way more positive and happy mindset than I think what any of us will ever come up with as we're watching this team, but it's, it's, it's going to be a win. I mean, the biggest thing is we've got Dylan Larkin, I would assume Tyler Bertuzzi, Lucas Raymond, Bo Sider. We got those guys are on this team and they're not going anywhere. Yeah, And that's what's going to make the rest of this season still enjoyable because now, I mean, it's not like it wasn't already there, but all of our, all our attention is going straight to the Calder race and how we can ensure that Canada doesn't taint the Michael Bunting favoritism. Oh, Lord. Michael Bunting. <laughs> that's um, not happening. There's Sorry. Who posted the article today? There was an article I saw, I think it was a Sportsnet one, that Michael Bunting deserves the Calder most ciders, oh. most ciders season has been unblemished. And he said a standout year, but he doesn't deserve it. Well, Ryan, you go find the article. And in the meantime, uh, I will bring to you the sponsored message from DraftKings. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As in, the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Down the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Found that article. Travis Good. Yost. Ryan found the article. We're back and Ryan found the article. It's a TSN article. 
Bonin deserves the Calder this season. The Twitter post is Moritz Sider's rookie season is without blemish. Period. But this Stop year's there. Calder Trophy winner should be Michael Bunting. Because he's being weakened at Bernie by Marner and Matthews? Okay, Michael Bunting. Oh, Lord. Where was the other quote that I saw? Someone not from a Canadian media channel said that uh, basically if you plot Michael Bunting on any other team, he'd be a bottom six player. Uh-huh. If you took Vladislav Nemestikov and put him with Marner and Matthews, how many goals and assists would he have? If you took, I don't know, if you put Joe Valeno with Marner and Matthews, like, I, Michael Bunting is having, sure, he's having a good season. But again, when NHL just put out their recent one, he was fourth in, <sighs> in votes. I think uh, Janot would, should get more votes than Michael Bunting. Am I wrong? I think Boldy. Yeah. What, what's frustrating about this article is here's, here's a direct small paragraph quote. Steider has been sensational for an otherwise bad Red Wings team, and he's doing it as a 20-year-old anchored to a struggling Danny DeKaiser. Full stop. Steider is every bit deserving of the award. But. In many ways, he reminds me of an auto, uh, early days of Ottawa's Eric Carlson. Well, so they just but then he starts going into him. goals above replacement and using. Oh, Lord. Oh, he, try, he basically uses the fancy stat argument, and I'm not obviously we talk highly of the fancy stat. But he's using the wrong fancy stat argument. But he is using that things of that nature, goals against and goals for, and he's looking at combinational performance of bunting playing with and without Matthews and using things of that nature. It's like I, I, I got nothing. I. Like, I guess it's because they're a Canadian market media and have to tow the Toronto Maple Leafs line or else they get shunned by the organization or whatever. You, you want to hear how he closes it? What? I hate my life. Please get me out of here. Dider is having an outstanding year and deserves Calder votes. In an age capped vote, he is in the driver's seat to win this thing. But Bunting <laughs> found himself in a prime position alongside one of the best players in the league and has it delivered in dramatically positive fashion. Assuming this holds, Bunting deserves the Calder this season. Fuck that. Who wrote that? Uh, Let me Travis yell at him. Yell at him on Twitter. Yostad. Was this from today? There was 10 hours ago. Hold on. Get Let him out of here. What a fucking joke that is. You really think that Michael Bunting deserves the Calder over Mo Sider or even Lucas Raymond. Give me a break. This isn't even close. This isn't even close. Is he, is he playing well? Yeah, he's he's doing what you would expect a first year NHLer to do. Okay, on a top but, level team. However, again, maybe this speaks to the fact that they absolutely need to change the age limit for Calder winners. So now, Jackie Redmond, the lovely Jackie Redmond. She uh, had a, they were talking about this, yeah. From uh, TN, she now is reporting on TNT, I believe. She cool. she so did with the NHL same Network thing. as well. She put out a um an article saying should mm-hmm. the now it wrongly said that uh that was it Zegris leads the or no Bunting leads the Calder votes. Someone that was not Mo Sider leads in Calder voting or Calder race. And I had quote tweeted it and said, that's a really funny way to spell Mo Sider. And that the. You meant to say leading in goals, I think. Because I think she. Yeah. Lowered herself and then realized something. The, oops. But yeah. Yeah. But she said she, she fully believes that Mo Sider should win the Calder, that it's her vote. 
but should there be an age limit for the Calder? And my response was, yes, if you're a skater, the age limit should be 23. And if you're a goalie, it should be 26 because goalies come into the league later on average. Anyways, when players come in, can come in 18, 19 years old, goalies can too. If you're a Carter Hart or whatever, it's just extremely rare. So I think there should be a cap. I don't think Artemi Panarin should have been in the Calder voting when he came into the league because those players spend more time playing against adults in in greater leagues or have more what are considered professional games under their belt, whether they go to the AHL or what. AHL is still considered a professional league. So you've played professional games technically already against adults in arguably a, a much more aggressive league. The AHL is is a far more aggressive league um, because it's it's guys trying to earn a paycheck for a lot of them. So do you think that maybe time game time in the AHL should be a, dis, a disqualifier? I th- like well, say take out like an ELC years, but if you go past ELC years. That's another way to look at it. So what you're saying, instead of age, if they've played so many AHL games that they they aren't considered a professional rookie anymore. Yeah. I could see that. Is that too, you think that's too stringent though? No, no, I, I, I agree with you there. But I also think that there should be a limit um, based on European as well. Like if you play in Russia or you play in, Sweden, you play in Czech Republic. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be just specific to the AHL. Pro League yeah. games and consider the AHL a pro league, which or do you just keep it simple and hard stop 23-24 and be like, well, that's I it. I think that's easier. I, I And again, because you could say pro league, but I think there's then a you very get in the debate large, of all, oh, well, this yeah. league's not as good as this league. So how can there's you really a large say gap in playing play pro? In the, in the Belarusian pro league than you're playing in the <laughs> SHL. Or if you're over there playing in the Taiwan Pro League than playing in the, the Liga, those are big gaps. So yeah. I think you could say if you are in an NHL system for so long, or you could say you're 23 years old, this is your last season. If you turn 20, if you, as long as you don't turn 24 for the end of the season, then you're still considered a rookie. But I think if you are 24 or over to begin a season, like you, you can't. I, I can't say you're a rookie at that. I don't make it 25. No, I'd still, I think 23, 24. I think 23 is a good age. 23, I would say 23 for skaters, 26 for goalies. Mm-hmm. And if they really want to get more particular about rookie of the year, then they need to go like every other sport. I don't know if basketball does it, but they need to have an offensive and defensive rookie of the year because then you avoid this type of bullshit conversation altogether. Because now, do I think there's a defenseman? We've seen it before. They do outperform the offensive counterparts, and it might be a down year for offense. But the way that hockey is and how it's a, you're playing two sides of the ice, why not break it up that way? I think they should do more. Like I'm a big proponent for more rookie stuff. Sure, mm-hmm. offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. They should have a, a rookie showcase game. Yeah, The NHL should have as, as well as an all-star game or just replace the all-star game with a rookie showcase. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. There's, the All Star Game is not going anywhere. I know it's not. It makes them too much money. No, just put them on together. Yeah, sure. Do do it with the skills comp. I don't see any team that would be against the rookies coming in and just showcasing the young talent in the league. Because if you want kids, you want kids to be more interested. You're trying. You're not trying to get 85 year old grandpa interested. You're not trying to get 65 year old angry white guy at home interested. 
you're trying to get a kid who's learning to play hockey. You're trying to get a kid who's just going into sports. You're trying to get a kid in elementary school that's trying to figure out what he wants to do or that's just starting to watch. And when you put all these 18, 19-year-olds out there, that's a great, that'd be a great showcase. Just a um, rookie showcase game. Just to interject, baseball does not have a pitcher and hitter rookie of the year. It's just AL and NL. See, so I, I think you could do more rookie awards, do a rookie showcase game. It's it's fun for the kids. And they'll, they love, the thing is, is they haven't been beaten down by the system yet. So they're all just so excited to get in there and play. Also. Like, Everybody think about like everybody loves hype and prospects and stuff like that. It's a perfect way to put guys out there that are actually going to try versus the the NHL guys that aren't going to try. So, I mean, obviously you have to still have the all-star game because it makes the NHL so much money, but if you could do, they did a rookie game. They they used to do the, the rookies versus the sophomores in the NHL all-star. I think it was like a four on four, uh, 10 minute period game or something like that. Um, like when they, they do to... intermission uh, at a Red Wings game and the peewee players come out on the ice to play a period. <laughs> I don't think it was. I think it was, I think it was three periods, maybe five minutes a piece or something like that. But anyways, oh. they need to go back and do something like that. Or just take what my idea was for the all-star game. Like I said, they should have it at the draft. Do a rookie showcase at the draft. Like that. Awesome. Show these kids who are coming in, the kids that just came in and what they're doing. Um, I think it's probably a, a better uh, timing to do it around the all-star game because a, a rookie who's playing in Colorado is probably just as excited as a rookie playing in Buffalo around the time of the all-star break and towards the end of the season, they're probably just like, fuck this. I don't want to be in Buffalo anymore. But it's, I think that even if you did it around the draft, it just build the hype. And this is where the NHL at every turn and we've said I've said it before, and it makes me so mad because it's my actual job. At every turn, falls on their face at marketing. It Everybody is the, says this about every league except no, for the NFL. No, the the NHL is the worst marketed league. Baseball no. really doesn't need a ton of marketing. I mean, it's a pretty set in sport. They're making a shit ton of money, but the NHL keeps talking about growing the game, growing the game. Hockey is for everyone. Do all this stuff, but they're they don't show it. That's the no. thing is they suck so bad at marketing. Okay. And, well, you think ESPN finally takes it over and does something better within the next couple of years? Are they allowed to? Here's where I disagree with you, Greg. I think the NHL does a poor job at marketing. I do agree with that. The NFL and the NBA are much it's better. worse than poor. Major League Baseball is awful at marketing, too. Bryce, or sorry, Mike Trout has 2 million followers on Twitter. You know how many followers LeBron James has? Actually, LeBron James has more followers on Twitter than every NFL uh, Major League Baseball player combined. I think a lot of that is because of sponsorship deals and stuff like that. LeBron's also a very outspoken guy. That's yeah, a thing. He's iconic. They made him the face. And baseball is a little different, but basketball, you can create these superstar teams and you can follow this one guy who's literally the best. You could say Connor McDavid is the best player in the league, but people will also make arguments for. Nathan McKinnon. People will also make arguments Matthews. for yeah, Austin he, Matthews. The guy they're trying to make the face of baseball and Fernando Tatis, Tyler, to your point, he's he out. has 158,000 followers. Hurt. He's hurt now, too. And now he's two hurt. To, two to four months or something like that. Yeah. So you look at a LeBron and he's just... The, the gap between the best basketball player 
and the second best basketball player is like this. That's the thing is that there, he's so dominant in, and in basketball, you can kind of win with one guy, one or two guys, like star players. In baseball, you can't win with no, you one, need a whole team. one. You need a whole team. You Same thing with hockey. hockey. You're not going to win. Look at McDavid. They even got McDavid and Dreisaitl. You can't win with one or two guys. You need a whole team because position play is so important. So now this 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 argument is fascinating because everyone that I've ever talked to says that for the NHL to grow and become a bigger market, they need to stop pushing the team thing and they need to start pushing the the stars thing, which they I don't think do is both. ever going to work in this sport. They can do both. The other half of it, Tyler, is that um, basketball is huge overseas. It is yeah, the biggest true. sport in China, which has billions of people. So that's the thing is the the NHL, and the, for the sake of trying, the NHL is playing games in China. They are playing foreign games. I think they have more next season than they've ever had games overseas. Yeah. I'd love for the Wings to get into a Swedish game. Holy yeah. shit. Half our fucking future is there. So I think that that's what they need to do. And I want to get a couple people on that are overseas. I'd love to get Lars on to talk about the state of hockey in Sweden. But I'd also love to get a person from from Germany to come on and talk about German hockey. And just growing too. it's growing huge. It's a hotbed. I think that uh, unless you're, I guess, Dominic Bach, who I thought was going to be a really good prospect. And he's like gone now. So uh, I think that you're you need to grow the game in other countries. And I talk to people from the UK that are huge hockey fans. Rowan, Australia's got some big hockey fans. I know people said that, you know, the, the league isn't, hasn't made more money recently, um, hasn't ever made more money than it has recently. But I will argue that after that 04, 05 lockout, the league took a hit and it still hasn't recovered fully from that. There's still people that I've talked to before that say, oh, no, I'm not watching that sport anymore. They locked me out, and we lost the whole season. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying that, you know, that is more of an older fan, I would say, at this point in time. But I will say one thing. If you're going to grow the game, yes, overseas is very important. But there's still there's still a market where you can still grow the sport in, in the South. Um, you, there's still a market where you can still grow the sport in the Midwest or not so much the Midwest, but more like the West, like you have Seattle, um, expansion, I'm sure is going to take place at some point in time. Um, probably not anytime soon because of, you know, COVID and everything Relocation else, should take place before expansion. I agree. Yeah. The, the fact that the Arizona coyotes are going to play in a 7,000 seat arena. No, it's the, it's the university of Arizona coyotes, Tyler, the university of Arizona <laughs> coyotes. There you go. Yeah, that's that that's not good for the sport in general. And I'll tell you one thing right now. I was at the Bruins Coyotes game the other night. I saw maybe three Coyotes jerseys the whole night. Don't worry, their fan base is super rabid on Twitter. They will block you in three seconds. Uh, The Coyotes fan base, Adriana pissed off the entire Coyotes, the entire 12 people who like the Arizona Coyotes. And now I think she's blocked by all of them. So. Well, I saw maybe three jerseys in the crowd the other night and everything else. was. I actually saw more Red Wings stuff than I saw Coyote oh, of stuff. Um, but NHL, I offer my services because y'all's marketing blows and you need to get a lot better at it because you're trying to grow the game, but you're not doing like you had the brilliant idea for TikTok Kid, which was the worst fucking idea I've ever oh, heard God. in my life. 
and that blew up in your face. And Send him your portfolio, Greg. He's either been assassinated or like doesn't talk about hockey anymore. I, I they, they he took the money and ran. They blacklisted <laughs> TikTok kid, but like they're they're just ideas that have good intention behind them, and then they pick the entire wrong person to do it, or they're just they there's so many ideas that they just they don't they don't want them or they don't take them or they don't want to listen. And it's just, they need help. They need a lot of help because they want to grow the game. They just, I feel I have absolutely no idea how to do it. Uh, Red Wings coming up. What do we got? Pain in Edmonton. What are we going to do? Yeah. Edmonton. How how are we going to do? I mean, I'm more confident playing Edmonton than I am Calgary. I will say that much. Yeah. I mean, I, we can just go to the games earlier in the year, but that, that long change and losing the change, change, line change battle, excuse me, to Edmonton in Edmonton, that could be brutal. But who knows? We'll see. Then we have Vancouver. Toss up. Seattle. They've been playing good, too, Vancouver, recently. You think Seattle's a toss up? I think so. Out for the season? I think that's a win. I would, I want to assume win, but I mean, I assumed the reason Chelsea and I went to the freaking Coyotes game is like, oh, yeah, they'll win that game. (laughs) And never go against bad teams. You know, I I had I had faith at home. Ryan, the past few years have shown that we play well against good teams and bad against bad teams. Well, yeah, I mean, we but still, we we regardless of whatever game we chose over the last week and a half, it would have been a loss. So it didn't matter. Um, with the exception of Carolina. Carolina, which I couldn't get to, so I'm mad because Brandon and freaking Ethan got to see a glorious game there. But anyways, now Seattle, I don't know, and then. Going into Philly next Tuesday, I think Philly wins it, but they're worse than we are when it comes to a one-goal lead late, so I think we can pull that one out. So you're saying there's at least a win on the horizon because five... I could see two and two. Okay, let me ask this. How many more losses in a row before Blash gets fired? None. You think even if we lost the next five games, they keep them? All right. I mean... It's do you want my reasoning? Yeah, go ahead. There's no point. Do I? It's it's not like he's in they're they're tanking, but it's, you don't think they're you don't think even just for the sake of hey, let's not screw this entire thing that we just built the first half of the season, knowing that that how you played then is fully acceptable and no, what because, you're doing now is not. Because the big thing is if if we just lost a main top six forward on this team to injury for the rest yeah. of the year. We've got the trade deadline coming up. And if he actually does make some moves, the team this roster worse. gets gets worse. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you're now again putting Blashill in the situation of, hey, we're giving you this shit sandwich. Go win hockey games. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Robbie Fabry blowing out his ACL. So oh, yeah, that was kind of a big piece of news. Yeah, I mean, big, big in the sense that we lose Robbie Fabry for the rest of the season. But I mean, it's oh, we didn't get Jake Brown back. Yeah, it's not the it's same the either. <laughs> yeah, and Verona has three goals in three games, so I mean, they, not a big deal. No, not a big deal. But I mean, it also gives him some opportunity to move a few other people around. Like he said that uh, guys mm-hmm. like Zadina and Valeno would have more playtime, and I think he even mentioned Rasmussen. And then he fucking brought in Luke Wikowski and played him and Giovanni Smith on the same line. You know, Danielle made a good point about those two coming into the lineup. And I, I, I really, while I'm not a fan of having them both on the roster at the exact same time, and on the a same game line? like Calgary, it made sense. What? And on the same line? 
Well, I mean, we're also you're not going to stagger them on other lines. Well, you could bump Smith up at least to the. You could bump Smith. You up could to put. The third you line. could have put Smith up to the third line. Okay, I, I will give you that. However, I mean that is in the sense so you can actually match up with the aggressiveness and size of Calgary. But at the same time, it's and didn't was Witkowski end up getting hurt at the end of the game? Had, was he there did. any updates on that? Uh, I had not seen anything, but he I meant to ask for the that, game and, and did totally not come back. Yeah. And that was after a shitty boarding call, which they did call, thankfully. But and then it led to Giovanni getting his ass whooped a bit by Milan Lucic, which was very Again. upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I saw absolutely none of that game. I will say because I was at that hockey game uh, in Boston, mm-hmm. and I looked at my phone after the first period, and I think the shots were nineteen to one or something like that. And then I looked again after the second period, got an alert, and it said their shots were thirty-one to five. I'm like. Oh, well, good thing we tried tonight. Someone made a good comment. Were they sandbagging this whole time? Just that was to come me. Back and win? Oh, was that, that you? Was, yeah, it was, was me that you? Because of, at the, in the third, like <laughs> five minutes into the third period, they already had like eight shots. And I'm like, wait. And, and they had like possession for a full like two minutes. And I'm yeah. like, wait, were the wings sandbagging the first two periods and then just decided they wanted to like conserve their energy for the third? Because that's an awesome move if they did. And they did and look good. They did. And Grice played out of his fucking mind. Yep. And it's either he's playing to get traded or like the dude's more hot and cold than Peter Mrazek. Like, I and don't know. That was a huge bounce back game for him, especially for confidence. Huge, huge and game. I want to say, because they were even talking about that on the pregame, because the first period I missed because I was in the car driving home. Uh, but Paul and Ken touched it like they need confidence. He needed to come out. And have that type of game and performance to get back on the right track because we just went through some of those games. It has not been good. No. So, and especially going back and forth, I think on two different occasions where one got pulled, the other got put put in, then they got re-pulled. And (laughs) so fucking goalie, embarrassing goalie juggling. And that's, I think that's where additional frustration toward Blashill comes from the fan base too. Because like, Either stick with the goalie you got. Don't don't do the Olay juggle bullshit. Like either leave him in for a game, let him take a pounding, or when you switch him, let it happen. If the team can't respond to a goalie change, yeah, then it's just it. that bad of a ride fucking night. Yep. You know what? Or pull the goalie. You're playing empty net the rest of the game. I'm not yeah. letting any goalie get shelled just like put, that. Just put Bertuzzi back there. You'll be all right. I think that, and I don't. I don't know if any coach has ever done. I feel like a coach has done that like 10 minutes left and then like, oh, they're just getting shelled. Just pull the goalie. Why even bother? Why even bother having a goalie in if the defensemen aren't going to play defense? I don't think that's yeah. ever happened in the NHL, but I bet you it's happened somewhere else at another level. I mean, it's a, boss, it's a balls out move, man. You got to just say, <laughs> listen, guys, I, I ain't putting, I ain't going to, I ain't going to let you ruin it, a goalie like that. If Patrick Waugh was still coaching the NHL, it probably would have happened Absolutely. That is 100% a Patrick Waugh move. <laughs> I will say one thing. When Quinnipiac was um, a very good uh, hockey program, and I shouldn't say when they were. They, they still are, are still a pretty good, good hockey, hockey program. program. They were in the NCAA tournament. I think they were a one seed, and they were down 3 nothing after two periods. And they started the second, the third period with the goalie pulled, and they scored two goals. They pulled the goalie with 20 minutes left in the third period, and they, they scored awesome. two goals. And I think they might have brought the game to overtime. But, no, don't give Blash any ideas. (laughs) Um, As far as the stretch coming up here, I mean, I see a loss in Edmonton, unfortunately. I just think that McDavid and Drysdale are going to be too much. I feel like that team is starting to pick up uh, their game a little bit. 
Um, Vancouver, that's a toss up. I think, I mean, the Canucks have been playing better as of late, but I mean, again, like, I feel like that's a toss up Seattle. I think that should be a win, but again, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, the Arizona game should have been a win as well. Philadelphia. Great. So that one's going to be interesting how they played on it tomorrow. The flyers are interesting because it just feels like they're they're not trying to win at this point. Uh, Claude Giroux is probably going to be out of there by the time we play them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's a after. win. I think that's a win. The Islanders have some pieces that they're probably going to trade off as well. So that, I believe, is a toss-up, and it could be a win. And then Tampa Bay is a loss, obviously. So, And then we'll see what what Pittsburgh brings. So, yeah. well, I guess we'll see what happens, but I think we need to get another win within the next three games or – the team confidence is just going to take through the floor, which is something we cannot afford to lose right now. I think they will. Yeah. Um, but I want to get you guys' final thoughts before we sign off. And I'm going to start with Ryan because he looks the most distracted. <laughs> final thoughts. I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm done being overly optimistic as much as I have been this season. Like it's, it's been fun, but this last stretch and even more than that has been shit. And it's, it's kind of a lot of the old habits I think we saw from, before the season have kind of reared its ugly head in terms of just poor defense, sloppy goaltending, not really scoring goals the way that they should be. I mean, it, you can't really argue that Fabry being out handcuffed them and hurt them that badly offensively, but you could argue that their defense has absolutely let them down and just has not like just simple man coverage and finding the spot. There's, it's not there. And the goals against speaks to that very highly. Now has goaltending been that good? No, it hasn't. It has also been poor and that hasn't helped. And now people are going about, Oh, it's a good thing. The Carolina got rid of the Delkovich. Well, no, it's still really not, but yeah, again, it's the team as a whole has not played well and left him out to dry more often than not. But it's like I said, I'm, I'm going to try to keep the, the fantastic optimism that Daniela has. It's still the team that we are here for hoping they do well. And we'll just have to see what happens. I mean, what, what Stevie does in the next week is going to be important. Like we had last season. It's, it's just focusing on the growth of the people, you know, are going to mm-hmm. grow with the team. And yeah. that's still exciting. So that's, that's what we have to look forward to the rest of the year. And I mean, I foresee, especially if any more injuries come about, some of these younger guys, maybe we do end up seeing Bergeron come in for a couple of games. I think they may try to, can his contract still be slid to the right a year? Bergeron, no. Okay, so he's past that point. Yep. All right. That's right, because they did finally get him. Yep. So, but I mean, you hope that he does crack the roster. Maybe he closes out the year. He, they just get him up for a few, then send him back down and let him go with Grand Rapids, close out at Grand Rapids. It's if as long as there's still progress at that end too in Grand Rapids, and we can talk to Jen, Brandon, and that group, Keith, all those guys that are actually out there watching the games in person, they still have their positive reviews going on. Then it's still a win. I mean, if, as long as this team, they're what four games below the 500 mark in terms of win loss, they're still overachieving in a way and if they can keep it hovering there and not get too out of control then i think we're still on the right path so yeah we'll see what happens this next week could be interesting it's been quiet so far there was a trade today with colorado getting manson from anaheim so that bolsters them immediately but yeah we'll see already ran 33 we'll see things trickle in yeah my final thoughts here are i mean they just need to 
start playing better hockey. I know that's that's cliche and that might just sound stupid to say that, but they just need to bring it more. I, I think over the last couple weeks, uh, the effort hasn't been all the way there um, in some of the games, especially that Arizona game, which we don't speak about. But um, they they just they just need to put together some 60 minutes. And if they lose, they lose. And if you win, you know, obviously, then that's better. But they can't let this thing spiral out of control. I kind of reiterate what Ryan was saying there. I mean, they can't let it spiral out of control. This has been a really good season, very unexpected for a lot of things. And they, they don't, they don't want the last thing you want to happen is the confidence to start going through, you know, going down because then, you know, you start seeing stupid penalties, suspensions, potentially that's not good for anything. So hopefully the trade deadline itself here um, is quiet besides the rentals and what we do need to move out. Um, I don't really foreshadow anything big, but then again, he's Steve Eisenman and you don't really know. So um, like I said, there's a lot to look forward to uh, in the future and and still here in the now. Maybe we get a shot at Berger and or some one of the other young guys. Um, but other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. I just, again, want to say thank you for to Daniela for coming on and hanging out with us for a bit. Talk about the Red Wings. We love having her on. And we, like I said, welcome her back anytime uh, mm-hmm. to talk. We'll probably have her on again towards the end of the season to do to do a recap and, and look at the offseason or more towards training camp to see what's going on because she goes up to Traverse City too to do the reporting up there and, and check out the prospects, which we also hope to probably get to uh, coming up next season is up to Traverse mm-hmm. City for the prospect tournament. But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. I also want to give a shout out to a podcast we provide a lot of Red Wings actual content and news and all the stuff that is the day-to-day. But Adriana and Sean over at the Unsung Octopi podcast, they do a lot of really cool Red Wings history stuff. So if you're into the history of the team and want to find out just more about what the team has done in the past, go check them out on Twitter. You can find them at Unsung Octopi Pod. Go give them a follow. Uh, they got content coming out more frequently now. And it's just a really good listen, and and it's not just the normal day-to-day Red Wings news stuff, but it's a lot of cool background information and and historical stuff, too. So we wanted to give them a shout-out. If you go to howieshockeytape.com and use promo code GRINDLINE, you get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12%. We also like to give a shout-out to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet, where you can go to find podcasts from, really, I think they have all of the NHL teams covered now. And they spread them out all around the internet for people to enjoy. Uh, Vintage Detroit is another company we like to give a shout out to who just, I mean, does the absolute best work with Detroit jerseys and apparel. If you are looking for any jersey, I mean, baseball season's coming up. You need your baseball gear. Go to Vintage Detroit. They'll hook you up. Uh, Lynn over there is amazing. And all the people just do fantastic work. And uh, if you can check out our merch at redbubble.com by going to redbubble.com and searching the grind line, you'll find all our designs there. I'm going to get back on the design train after I'm done making very pink Jacob Verona backgrounds for cell phones. I saw that. Uh, it's <laughs> awesome. Isn't it awesome? It's like a bar- Barbie version of Jacob uh, Jacob Verona. It's pretty sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, go there, check out our merch, get our designs put on mugs and cups and shirts and bath mats and all that fun stuff. That's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.